Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Somebody who has something, Chris Mack. Sir, welcome. Always a pleasure. Great to have you back. Good to be back, Steve. Now you put pressure on me to actually have something. I know. Well, that's. I will lead you in that direction. Let, there we go. That's why. You, that's yep. That's why you're the master. Okay. There you go. So let's let's start with this lead. Eighteen years. Ben Roethlisberger was a primary reason why the Steelers stayed relevant. As you look back on his career, right? What were some of the characteristics of that career that Pittsburgh fans should appreciate? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, it starts with a guy coming in as a rookie off the bench, uh, going from third-string quarterback to starter in a matter of about two or three weeks, being thrown in there and then rattling off the 13 wins in a row or whatever it was, uh, and going to the AFC championship game. Um, And then sort of, I guess, uh, adjusting on the fly as he got older to becoming less of that scrambling, uh, you know, extending the play quarterback to – the guy that was just a distributor, you know, distributing the ball to Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And, uh, you know, and then uh, eventually the, the guy who, you know, stood back there in the pocket and uh, as, as ugly as it may have been last year, still got them off to an 11 and 0 start because mm-hmm. um, he was getting rid of the ball in 2.2 seconds uh, every snap. Um, and I think also off the field, a guy who, Look, there will always be the stories uh, that everyone in the Pittsburgh region has about some sort of negative run-in with mm-hmm. young Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, there's a litany of them, yep. and you don't even necessarily have to be from Pittsburgh. You can be from Georgia or Reno or somewhere else. Um, and I think what I take away is that even though you still don't hear, um, you know, you, you don't hear those as much, um, I, I would take away that he did mature somewhat over the years. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, off the field as well. And I think that lent itself to some a few leadership qualities here and there. Look, I, the guy was never fully beloved by his teammates, mm-hmm. um, but they loved the fact that they were winners when he was back there. You know, um, it's and so, you know, I give him some credit for maturing over the years. I give him a ton of credit for being the first uh, the the, the first rookie, I believe it was, to ever play in a conference championship and the first uh, first-year starter to ever go to a Super Bowl. Um, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a pretty remarkable career. And, and to do it all with one team, that's what ultimately he goes down as, is a guy who played with one team at quarterback longer than anybody else. Right. No, no question. Uh, he will have all that and more. But he kept, he kept them relevant. Now, mm-hmm. for the first time... An off season in eighteen years, where you're not going to look back there, and seven's not going to be there. Are, do the Steelers now fall into the trap that I'd say twenty nine out of the thirty two teams in the NFL have fallen into? Patriots, Packers, Steelers aside, the other ones have had okay, good run, all right, fall below, get a high draft pick, bad, you know, better schedule, bump back up again. Are the Steelers in danger of that potential? Um, I, I, I certainly think it's, there's a chance. You know, um, I think if they go into next year with just Rudolph and Haskins battling for that starting quarterback spot, 
um, then I think they would be putting themselves behind the eight ball. Um, I think, you know, there's a chance that either one of those guys could come in and perform at least as well as Roethlisberger did this year. I mean, nobody wants, nobody's going to go walk away from the 2021 season pretending Ben Roethlisberger was still the elite quarterback he once was. Um, he ended up being bottom third in the league in most statistical categories, if not bottom five mm-hmm. in a lot of them. So um, with their defense, and they'll get some guys back next year, presumably, um, with their defense and the weapons that they do have at receiver and Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth, of course. Um, the funny thing is, even with Rudolph or Haskins, they could still scratch out nine wins and somehow sneak into a wild card. Um, so I, I don't think they're in danger of spending, you know, a few years in a row in that six and ten, sorry, six and eleven spot. Um, uh, I, I do think maybe a year. You know, that, that's certainly a distinct possibility. Again, if one of those two guys ends up being their primary option to quarterback or both of those guys kind of battle back and forth for the job and there's no veteran stop gap to lend some consistency. Um, yeah, I, I could see it happening for a year or two, but that really is at maximum, I think, the deepest depths they go to because ultimately they've still got T.J. Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, Cam Hayward, and they've still got Najee Harris and Pat Fryer. Is the fan base, though, ready for a, a reset? I think the the fan base is slowly coming around to the fact, and I've seen a lot more people espousing this thought in the last few days, that this was the beginning of the rebuild, right? When you look at five new starters on the offensive line, you're essentially telling yourself you're rebuilding, you know? Um, and so I think when you look at the five new starters on the offensive line, two rookies starting at very important positions, you know, tailback and tight end, um, and knowing that your quarterback was on fumes, it was essentially uh, the start of a rebuild. They just so happened to somehow get into the playoffs, uh, whether you want to argue it's because of the expanded field, because of the tie, because of whatever it was. They somehow snuck into the playoffs. Um, so I, I, if that's the worst Steeler fans have to deal with, is sneaking into the playoffs in a year where they were essentially trying to start so, sort of soft launch into a rebuild, um, then they'll be in good shape, I think. Chris, here are two issues, though, that they do face that are out of their control at the moment. One is they're going to get a second-place schedule and not a last-place schedule. Mm-hmm. Number two, they're going to be drafting in the 20s again. So they're not going without Ben, they're not going to get the benefits that, for example, Philadelphia had a last-place schedule, and boy, did it ever pay off. Right. Uh, they're going to end up with three first-round draft picks out of this, um, but they're not. You know, but they're not going to get a high top ten draft pick because of what they've been doing. You know, you have to play each season the way it plays out. So there's no problem with that. I'm just saying that those are two benefits they will not have. Yeah, and they're not in the NFC East either. No, that's <laughs> so just the Eagles uh, down oh, the stretch. Uh, I mean, exactly. they're in an up and they're in an up and coming division. Whether you like what the Browns have at quarterback or not, their defense is still very good. Whether you like what the Ravens have on defense or offensive line or not, they've still got Lamar Jackson. And I don't think there's anything you can really openly dislike about the Bengals, given the way they're playing right now. So good luck in that division, too. Um, you know, they had a first-place schedule this year. And like I right. said, they still somehow managed to scratch mm-hmm. out nine wins. Now that was also right. playing the NFC North. Um, where they went, uh, let's see, they went one, two, and one against that division, actually. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I do think, again, 
you know, the organization, and I get this from some of the things that Mike Tomlin said uh, Tuesday during his final press conference of the year and just from the way fans are reacting to a lot of it. Everyone understands, I think, exactly where they're at and that quarterback is going to be a project for a while, most likely. Mm -hmm. The offensive line is an ongoing project. Um, I think people are more worried about the, the things that are popping up that they didn't come into this season expecting to be deficiencies. Inside linebacker, you know, um, Devin Bush is not what they traded for. Yeah. Up 10 spots. Yeah. You know, Joe Schobert is not the guy they traded a fifth-round pick for during training camp. Right. Their inside backers are, I mean, when Robert Spillane is the best of your inside linebackers, and he's a free agent, uh, you're in trouble. When you're wide receivers, um, all of a sudden that room's become very thin. As far as guys that you're totally and supremely 110% confident in, you can't count on Deontay Johnson to catch the ball. We're back there with him. <laughs> yep. um, you can't count on Chase Claypool to do much more than sprint down the sidelines and jump really high yep. and try to draw a defensive pass interference. Um, you can't count on Juju Smith-Schuster to be back. And if he is back, what's he giving you other than maybe another target over the middle? Um, all of a sudden, they've gotten very thin at receiver. And this offense, again, has been dialed back to the point where regardless of who the quarterback is, they're going to be asked to do a whole lot basically on the backs of Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth again. When T.J. Watt was available, he played at an incredibly high level, but that's when he mm-hmm. was available. Uh, so, uh, you you know, you watched him every game. What has made him special to what they do? And does he have the versatility to do more? Um, I think they found the sweet spot, and I don't know how much more they could really ask him to do. He has become... I think, you know, the premier edge rusher in the NFL. Um, you don't tie the sack record uh, without becoming the best or one of the two or three best in the league at what you do. Right. Um, that's why they paid him the way they did, and it's it's the best decision they've made in the past year or so, uh, deciding to pay T.J. Watt enough to keep him around for the bulk of what's left of his career or productive years of his career. Um, I think I'm more concerned with, again, what they're building around him on the rest of the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. They like Alex Highsmith, the other edge rusher. Yeah, no, he's and good. He's going to continue to develop. He did a great yeah. job of putting on a mm-hmm. ton of muscle this past offseason and not losing any speed. Um, it, sounds like, it's, line, it sounds like you. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, Yeah, it's muscle. That's exactly what it is. And, and, more, and yeah. more speed. I'm impressed. <laughs> uh, May... Maybe speed in the in the tailgate parking lot uh, <laughs> as far as consuming beverages. But, yeah. you, know, um, you know, that that, that hole in inside linebacker is, is a big, dark one for them. Yeah. You know, um, the, the fact that they don't know where they stand with Stephon Tuitt, who didn't play at all this year. Um, mm-hmm. Tyson Alualu might come back, but he's going to be 35. Cam Hayward's going to be 33 next year. He's coming off the best year of his career, but still yeah. 33. Um you know, Joe Hayden might be gone, you know, and if he is back, it's probably only for one more year. He's going to be 33 as well. All of a sudden there are spots popping up everywhere and they've become a very top heavy defense. It's Watt, Hayward, Fitzpatrick, and then a bunch of other guys, especially if Hayden is gone. Um, And they can't count on TJ Watt to do it all. Certainly um, it it helps to have a guy like TJ Watt, Mm -hmm. but if, if you're that top-heavy on defense, I think it does create a problem. They're, they do have the benefit of more than enough cap space this year that if they want to go out and sign free agents, whether it be on the offensive line 
or defensive line, corner, inside backer, uh, strong safety, that they can do those things and still have the luxury of drafting as well. Uh, what about the cap room that they have? Now, I, you know, I know Roethlisberger played under a different contract this year. Watt's contract, obviously, is huge. Um, so where are they on cap space with this? Now, it should be more because the cap's going to obviously go up. Yeah, the cap's going way up. So um, they're somewhere, depend on how, depending on how you define it, uh, based on the 53-man roster, what they have on the books, the, the top 40 or top 51 rule, I think, is what uh, you go by in the offseason. They've got somewhere around $34 million, 34 to $40 million of cap space right now. Right. Um, and now, you, you are, to your point, Roethlisberger, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, Eric Ebron all have voidable years on the end of their 2021 deals that will end up rolling up into this year's cap. But it's not enough to really hamstring them. Um, Those were small amounts that were put on those voidable years. It was just to sort of spread the the bonus hit out. So they're they're still in a decent position. Um, Yes, it's the first year of T.J. Watt's uh, big cap hit. Uh, it's also a big cap hit for Cam Hayward, the, the first really big cap hit kicking into his contract extension. Um, they'll get Minka Fitzpatrick on, you know, a rookie contract for one more year, um, right. but they've got to they've got to extend him, so that contract will start to kick in after uh, at twenty twenty three and beyond. I think they've got enough space. Like I said, I would love to see them this off season um, it, provide insurance in free agency. Because if free agency starts six weeks before the draft. You have no idea how the draft is going to shake mm-hmm. out. Right. Go into free agency. Get yourself a quality offensive lineman, whether it be a tackle or at center. Get yourself a veteran complementary running back so that Najee Harris doesn't have to touch the ball 500 times next year. Um, get yourself maybe a complementary veteran inside linebacker or another defensive line piece or a corner. I'm not saying you have to sign all those things because then you very quickly run out mm-hmm. of cap space. Yeah. But a couple of those spots, maybe a veteran quarterback, you know, uh, depending on what they're looking for, somebody to come in and, you know, put some pressure on Mason Rudolph and Dwayne Haskins to actually buckle down and become that guy that each of them thinks they can become. And then allow yourself the luxury when you go in at 20th overall, because you have no idea what's going to slide to you there, to actually take the best possible player available to you. All right. And uh, finally, about Kevin Colbert, um, mm-hmm. who's been there for so much of all of this. This will be what the last draft he does, I believe, for the, yes. for the Steelers. Is there an appreciation in the city for actually what he has done? Because I point out the Patriots and the Packers. The Steelers, those are the only three that have stayed relevant for 20 years. Yeah, I think it helps, too, to be honest. You know how provincial Pittsburghers are. They sure. love the fact that Kevin's a Pittsburgher, you yeah. know, a North Catholic guy. Um, they love the fact that he's, he's beyond one of the nicest guys uh, I've ever met in, in the world of sports. He's just down to earth. Um, and, you know, not a lot of BS from him. Uh, he's going to tell you, for the most part, exactly what he thinks. You remember last year or two years ago when he got – absolutely skewered by the national media for saying it was Ben and 52 kids in the locker room. Right. Yeah, right. He's just telling you, he's telling you what he thinks. Um, and so I think what the Steelers have the luxury of, and look, some fans don't like this, but this is always what they've done and always what they will do. And it's become a part of their DNA and how they handle things is they will look to promote from within. It's what they'll do with defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. It's what they did at offensive coordinator. And yeah. they brought in Matt Canada as the QB's coach 
let Feetner go, Canada elevated. They mm-hmm. brought in Terrell Austin a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He'll elevate the defensive coordinator when Keith Butler inevitably announces his retirement mm-hmm. this offseason. Uh, Brandon Hunt is their director of player personnel, uh, another Pittsburgh guy. He's going to be elevated to GM, uh, maybe not with some of the same exclusive powers that Kevin Colbert has right now and work more in concert with Omar Khan, the, the, cap, the cap guy, and Mike Tomlin, uh, who already has a lot of say in personnel matters, but he'll be elevated. It, they just that's the way they do things. They have people who have become a part of uh, their philosophies, who understand their philosophies. Again, some fans don't like that. They want new blood. They want a hot shot coordinator. They want someone to come in with new, fresh ideas. And at times, I'll be honest, the Steelers look like they need some new, fresh ideas, especially when you see the offensive game plans in particular. Um, but I think being able to pass things along from Kevin Colbert to Brandon Hunt. Um, will be a part of, you know, you won't have to worry about the draft going one way and then a new GM coming in and wanting to completely blow things up. New fresh ideas. I mean, it sounds, it sounds like I'm, I'm in a staff meeting. All right, so, it's Chris, <laughs> Chris, thanks so much. Appreciate you, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you so much, Steve. Uh, we'll hope to talk again soon. I hope so.